Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, thank you. Good to see you all in church. Uh, Before we get into the message, I have uh, one additional announcement, and uh, that is that our Dash and Dine City Group is starting back up in uh, two weeks. So after the time change, uh, it'll start back up um, March 11th. And so what is our Dash and Dine group? Our Dash and Dine group is we, we meet and we run, and then we go eat afterwards. So the order is very important, by the way. If you eat and then you run, you throw up. But if you run and then you go eat. So we meet every, every Wednesday at uh, 6 o'clock. And this, uh, the group will run actually October 20, um, I'm sorry, March 11th through October 28th. So there's 34 weeks that we're going to be meeting. Um, so if you're interested in being part of that city group, come talk to me after the service and we'll get you signed up. There's a, there is a registration involved and there's a little fee involved, um, but you get a, you get a shirt. It's going to be good. And uh, there's a prize award for the person who attends the most practices. And it's actually coached professionally by uh, running legend on uh, Greeley, Doug Bell. So it's going to be a great time. And um, it's for people of all abilities of running. So you don't have to be like a superstar runner. There are people much faster than me in the group. There are people a lot slower than me in the group. So don't be intimidated by that. Um, but if you want to get in shape and start running with us, you can. So again, that's after the time change. And it'll be March 11th. Uh, is when we'll start meeting for that. Cool? cool? All right. Come talk to me after service. I have a flyer here if you want to be part of that. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. We're continuing our series called The Dwelling Place. Uh, I felt like the Lord put it on my heart to talk about what it means to be a people of God's presence and what it means for you to individually to be a person of God's presence. Okay? So we've kind of been focusing on and doing a study on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is this person? Uh, Last week, we emphasized that point, actually. And I did a message called, A Person is a Person, No Matter How Big. Okay, Holy Spirit occupies the entire universe, yet he's also so small, he lives in our hearts. But he's not just a force or a power. He is powerful. He he can be a force, of course. And um, that rhymed. Hey, (laughs) he can be a force, of course. On a horse. I don't know. (laughs) Holy Spirit is not just an influence or a power. The Holy Spirit is actually a person. We talked about the reason why that's important is because if we think of him as a force or a power, we will inevitably think, how can I get more of this power and how can I use this power? Not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But if we think of him, as the Bible teaches, as a divine person, as a divine personality, we will think of him in this way. I want to get to know this person. I want this person to know me. And rather than thinking, how can I use the Holy Spirit, our thought becomes, how can the Holy Spirit use me? Okay. And so let me do a quick review of that. Um, What makes a person a person? I'm not diminishing the divinity of the Holy Spirit by calling him a person because a person is not just someone with a body. It's not a, a human being. Uh, we think in many times in terms, what is a person? Oh, a person is someone with hands, feet, eyes, etc. Um, no, a person is a person if they have three things. Number one, a mind, including thoughts. Number two, a will, desires. And number three, emotions. So a mind, a will, and emotions. That 
if, if you're a person, if you're an individual that has those three things, you are a person. Okay, that's what, that's what constitutes a person. And the Holy Spirit has all of the attributes of a personality, even though he's spirit. And so, um, now let me say something about the will of God while we're on that note, and why this series, I think, is so important. Um, the will of God. This is a big question. If we did a survey here today and, and, and asked everyone, like, what's, um, what, you know, if, you, if we could teach, teach about anything in the Bible, what, what do you want to learn? A lot of you would probably respond and say, I want to learn about God's will for my life. Okay? The Holy Spirit has a will for your life. God has a will for your life. And how many know that this book will teach you how to live, but it won't necessarily teach you where to live, right? This book will teach you how to be married. You know, husbands, love your, li- love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid, down him, uh, laid himself down for her, right? It will teach you how to be married, but it won't necessarily tell you who to marry, right? You didn't open this. Uh, I didn't open this Bible open. It's like Mary Emily Lundstrom, right? It didn't say that. Right, I followed. You know, I was attracted to her. That helped a lot. But um, <laughs> at that point, God would have told me no. You know, He didn't tell me no. So, but the Holy Spirit will lead you to the right person. Where the Bible will teach you how to be married, how to live. But the Holy Spirit will show you where to live and who to marry. Okay, so He has a will for you. He's a person. He thinks. He feels. He wills. Um, <clears throat> The Holy Spirit is a person, therefore we can know him and we can be made, we can be known by him, okay? And so we talked about that last week. So many churches and denominations, they talk about knowing the Father, they talk about knowing the Son, but there's not a lot of emphasis sometimes on knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. So a person is a person no matter how big. That was last week, just to bring you up to speed. Um, this week, I want to take it a step further, and I want to talk about growing in relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about getting acquainted with the Holy Spirit. That's the title of our message today is Getting Acquainted with the Holy Spirit. What is he like? What is the Holy Spirit like? I want to help you today to get acquainted with this person that's living on the inside of you. If your faith and trust is in the Lord Jesus, you have a person living inside of you. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's God. 1 Corinthians 16, 17 says this. Whoever is united with the Lord is one spirit. I'm sorry. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Okay? So when you invited Jesus in your heart, he came and he took up residence in your heart. This is why you became a new creation when you received Jesus. Becoming a, uh, when I became a Christian, I didn't try to become more moral to become a Christian, although that happens, right? <laughs> like the Holy Spirit makes you more moral. No, he came, he took up residence in my heart, and then he began to work in my heart and began to work things in me and work things out of me, right? Some of us need some things worked in us. Some of us need some things worked out of us, right? And the Holy Spirit does that. But what I want to say is that it's possible to have the person of the Holy Spirit inside you, but not be fully acquainted with this person that's living inside of you, okay? I'll give you an example of this. My wife and I just celebrated 15 years of blissful marriage, blissful matrimony, right? (laughs) Right, babe? Um, The Browns just celebrated their 20-year anniversary. Come on, you guys. How many have been married 30 years? 30 years or more? Raise your hands. Come on. Look at these guys. 
How about uh, 40 years or more? Any 40 years, 40 plusers? Wow, that's awesome. Do we have any 50 plusers in here? All right. There, there's a prize later. I don't know what it is, but there's a prize. So, <laughs> George and Candy, they're awesome. <clears throat> so, I've been married with, to my wife for 15 years. Um, it says this. We, so, um, we have been legally and spiritually married since February 4th, 2005, 15 years. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become, what? One flesh. Okay. However, over those 15 years, I will say there's been a few times where we've been married, we've lived under the same roof, we've been connected, but there are times where we didn't feel so connected, right? Where um, I would say that the fellowship wasn't always optimal, right? <laughs> Go ahead and put up that, that picture that we have there, right? Okay. Okay, it's a picture of a couple, married, right? But their fellowship is not optimal. How many of you have ever been here before? In my 15 years of marriage, I've, I've had a few of these moments where it's like, whatever, you know. Not, there was not shalom in the home. <laughs> so, um, okay, now why, why does this happen sometimes? Because, you know, well, whatever, I do something dumb or whatever. But, but intimacy, listen, intimacy needs to be cultivated. Like we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're legally, spiritually bound to him forever. But if we're not cultivating that relationship with him, we can at times be like that. In fact, one of the things that, that drives a wedge in fellowship with God is actually when we go our own way and we start sinning and messing up. Now listen, God is not a prude. That's not why he's against sin. He's against sin because sin drives a wedge in your fellowship with him. There's, there's a, um, a, a cost of broken fellowship with you when that happens. Again, you're still connected with him. He didn't leave you, but there's a cost of broken fellowship. And so um, with the Lord, it is not as though he, he leaves you or whatever, but it is, there is a, a price when that happens. And this is why God wants us to walk with him intimately. <clears throat> um, and even those of you who've been walking with the Lord for years, I will say this. <clears throat> there's a person living inside of you and you might think you know everything about this person, but there's probably a lot of things you don't know about this person living inside of you, right? Like not everything I think I know about the Lord is probably true. And you could have been walking with the Lord for many, many years and not know everything about him. You ever been married to like, you're married to the same person for 10, 15 years and then you learn something new about them, right? Um, my wife and I, we know a couple <clears throat> who... I think they'd been married for at least 10 years. And the husband, he would go to the grocery store and he would buy crunchy peanut butter because he's like, my wife likes crunchy peanut butter. And so he bought crunchy peanut butter and he came home and they were doing this for years, buying crunchy peanut butter. And one day he was saying, yeah, we, you know, because you like crunchy peanut butter. And she's like, I don't like crunchy peanut butter. I buy crunchy peanut butter because I think you like crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> Neither one of them like crunchy peanut butter. They like smooth peanut butter. But each of them had been buying crunchy peanut butter for like 10 years, thinking the other person liked something they didn't like. How many of that's possible with the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, okay? There might, there's things about him you don't know or things maybe you think you know about him that aren't true. And so we want to grow in fellowship with him, and we continue to do that as we walk with the Lord. Okay, so what is this person like? What is this person of the Holy Spirit like? 
there are lots of facets or emblems to this person of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible, he is, um, we'll read the scripture in a minute, he is like a dove, he is like fire, he is like wind, he is like oil, right? He is the comforter, he's the helper, he's, he's all these different things. But I want to focus on one of these facets today, because for me it has helped me, to, as I got to know the person of the Holy Spirit, it has helped me to know him that he is like this. And so we're going to read Matthew uh, chapter 13, verses, uh, 13 through, Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Um, by the way, in these portions of scripture we're about to read, um, note, you'll notice that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all, all three in these por- this portion of Scripture. This is the baptism where, where Jesus was baptized, okay? Uh, Matthew th- uh, chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to de- deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus rep- replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Again, notice Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three of them are in that portion of Scripture. Okay, notice the the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. He's not a dove. He descended like a dove, okay? Um, Jesus is God, has always been God, and always will be God, but God became man and dwelt among us. Well, Holy Spirit came from heaven like a dove, but didn't become a dove, okay? But it is an emblem of the character and nature of the Holy Spirit as a dove. Okay, so personally, I mean a dove. I'm like, if I'm going to represent like the power and you know authority of God I personally I wouldn't pick a dove you know I, I would I would pick something a little more like ferocious like go ahead and put up that picture okay in my western American mindset I think the Holy Spirit should be like an eagle with laser eyes right making America great again you know what I'm saying like that's that's the Holy Spirit in my 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 viewpoint. Okay, <clears throat> don't ask me why George Washington is here and why there's an American flag. Okay, just take it in. Okay, now yeah, a dove. I'm like a dove is kind of a kind of a wimpy bird, isn't it? Like why why is the Holy Spirit rep- represented as a dove? Um, go go to the next picture. So here's here's what we got, guys. <clears throat> Je- Holy Spirit came down, lined himself on Jesus like a dove. Okay. So what's up with the dove? I want to talk about the dove today. Why a dove? <laughs> um, now, uh, I, I'm going to give you some dove facts, and, um, and we'll preach on this a little bit. And there's some things. I learned some things even preparing as much as this is going to be fun. So let me give you some dove facts. Um, unlike an eagle, uh, the dove, according to Levitical law, the dove was a ceremonially clean bird. Okay. So it, was, it, it represents purity. The, the dove represents purity. Unlike an eagle, eagles were considered unclean animals. And the, there's scriptures in the Bible that talk about eagles, and there's cool things about eagles. Um, but unlike a, um, an eagle or an owl or a, um, a vulture, um, those animals were considered unclean. You weren't supposed to touch them, and you weren't supposed to eat them. The, the Holy Spirit um, ceremonially was a clean animal. So 
here's the thing. Here's number one about the Holy Spirit. He's a pure spirit. He is holy, <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit is holy, and he's, he's a pure spirit. He's not a, um, a foul. Oh, there's a, there's a pun right there. He's not a foul spirit. <laughs> but he is. <laughs> he's a pure spirit. Therefore, he comes into our hearts, and he helps us be holy, right? He makes us holy, and then he helps us live holy. He's a pure spirit. Okay, another thing about doves is that they are monogamous. Doves find a mate, and they mate for life. Okay, this represents the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. He's faithful to you. Okay, doves also have no peripheral vision, so they they only see what's in front of them. This represents, again, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. He has eyes for you, right? When you get married to someone, you want them to have eyes for you and not for anyone else, right? That's kind, of, that's kind of what everyone wants. Listen, when the Holy Spirit came into your life, he has eyes for you and he's faithful to you. He's not unfaithful, okay? Um, another thing I learned this about uh, doves is that doves can cry. They have tear ducts. It's crazy. Um, not all birds do. And so there's, that represents the empathy and the love of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he is the comforter. Right? How many know that this life can be hard? This life can be difficult. We need comfort at times, do we not? Okay, so he's pure, he's faithful, he's he can empathize with your and sympathize with your weaknesses and with your with your emotions. And Jesus said this in Matthew uh, chapter ten, verse sixteen. He said this: "I am sending you out like sheep among wolves." So this is when they sent out the seventy. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, but as innocent as doves, okay? The dove symbolizes purity, meekness, and unity. Uh, I'm sorry, purity, uh, meekness, and innocence, okay? The Holy Spirit did not come majestic like the eagle, or fierce like the hawk, or flamboyant like the peacock, okay? The Holy Spirit came as a pure spirit. He came in meekness. He came in innocence. Um, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 3, it says this, speaking of Jesus, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Okay? Jesus came in meekness and in gentleness, anointed by the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, Jesus is... The, the heavenly bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ. He came in meekness and gentleness to woo us to himself. I love that little prophetic thing we were singing there at the end about, like, come and, come and stir our hearts again, awaken our hearts again. Like, he comes to us and he woos our hearts. Like, when I was trying to win my wife over, like, okay, I'm, I'm stronger than my wife. Okay, that shouldn't come. You know, most men are stronger than their wives. Okay, that's just the way God made us. But... When I was trying to woo my wife, I didn't come over to her and like bonk her on the head and throw her in the trunk and take her home, right? I didn't force, I didn't force myself upon her, right? Amen? If you guys did that, you, you might be with the wrong guy if the guy did that to you, okay? There's a good place for people that do that. It's called jail, right? It's called jail. I didn't bonk my wife on the head and steal her and kidnap her to get her to love me. I, I tried to get to know her, right? I tried to win her heart over. I tried to do nice things for her to, so that there would be reciprocity there, right? 
So listen, the Holy Spirit is the same way. He, some have said this of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's powerful. Yes, he can break in. Yes, he can be like fire. But the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He's a gentleman. And even though he can come in powerfully and just you know, wreck us and do amazing things in us, even in that, there's, there's a gentleness about him. There's a gentleness about the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he's gentle. He's meek. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus was anointed as like that. Another thing that I wanted to emphasize today is that the dove represents that all are welcome to receive the Holy Spirit. All are welcome to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, we take this for granted many times, but in the New Testament, what you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This was not something that was possible in the Old Testament. There would be times there would be a prophet or you know someone in the Old Testament, and God would want to accomplish something, and the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon that person, but the Spirit of the Lord never remained on anyone. He would, he would rest on someone. They would do something amazing, something mighty, but then the Spirit would lift off of that person. Okay, when we received Jesus, he came to our hearts, and he's, he's never left since, right? Okay, and, and even the, 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 the high priest, he would go into the Holy of Holies once a year for just a few moments with blood to make atonement on behalf of the people. Okay, so the presence of God wasn't for everyone all the time. Okay, but the Holy Spirit represented by a dove, means that everyone has access to this Holy Spirit. And I'll, and I'll explain why that is true. Okay, why the youngest of us to the oldest of us, the richest to the poorest, from the greatest to the least, have access to the Spirit of the God. Um, of God. Um, in Leviticus, <coughs> people were, uh, in, the old, in the Old Testament, people were commanded to bring various sacrifices before the temple um, to make atonement for themselves. And usually that involved a lamb or a ram or a bull, you know, something, you know, a, a bull that was a year old or a lamb that was a year old. This is something that's costly to people. And, but throughout the Old Testament, when, when, when God said, you know, bring these sacrifices for make atonement or, these, um, or for different things, throughout Leviticus, if someone could not afford to bring a lamb, not everyone could afford a lamb. Not everyone could afford a bull. Um, many times um, God said, if they can't afford this, they can bring what? They can bring a dove, exactly. So one example of this I want to give is um, uh, after a woman gave uh, childbirth, there was a time of uh, purification that she had to go through, and then she was supposed to bring the baby to the temple, offer a sacrifice, and then the, the priest would offer the sacrifice, and she would be um, she would be made ceremonially clean again. So I'm going to read this portion of scripture just to illustrate this. It says this. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. So she's supposed to bring two things. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. Watch this, verse 8. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. Okay? The dove represents a bird that even the poor people could, could still come to God and still offer it instead of a lamb if they couldn't afford it. it. It's a representation that all are welcome to come before God, not just the religious elite, not just the rich of the world, not just the kings of the world. 
that the Holy Spirit was being made available for all mankind, okay? Um, and then I thought, this is interesting. Um, Jesus was born under Levitical law, the law of Moses. And so there came a time when he was born when Mary had to bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And I thought this was interesting. At Jesus' dedication, let's watch this. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, it says this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, speaking of Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping um, with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two pigeons. Okay, notice what it didn't say here. It didn't say anything about a lamb, which means something. It means that Mary and Joseph could not afford a lamb, and they were, they were able to bring two, two doves or two pigeons instead. Okay, Amazing that the, the king of kings and the lord of lords, he was born as that he is a king, but he came as, he came as humbly, come, he came as a servant, right? He is royalty. He is rich, but he didn't come as rich, right? He actually came to this world and was born to parents, probably teenage parents, as, as a poor person. This is a clear symbol that the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus was not just for the religious elite, for the kings of the world, right? It was for, for everyone, for you, for me, for young, old, man, woman. It was for all of us. Amen? So, I just thought that was cool. So, what is the Holy Spirit like? What is he like? He's gentle, he's kind, he's meek. At times in my life, he's been forceful, but he still has that gentlemanly thing about him, okay? I want to talk a little bit more about what he's like. What is this person like? Um, John chapter uh, 17, Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus came to reveal the Father, right? If you want to know what the Father God is, Father God is like, look at, look at the person of Jesus. Jesus will show you what the nature and the character of the Father is like. Okay? Um, you want to know what the Father is like? Look at Jesus. What about the Holy Spirit? What is he like? Let's read uh, John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. It says this. But when he, this, Jesus said this. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Again, remember I talked about the Bible will tell you how to live. Holy Spirit will tell you where to live. He will tell you what's yet to come. Where should you move? Who you should marry? Verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay? Holy Spirit is speaking on behalf of Jesus. He's making known Jesus. What is, who is the Holy Spirit like? What is he like? Holy Spirit is like Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, right? Isn't this awesome? Because they're three, but they're one, but they're one, but they're three, right? <laughs> the Trinity. It's the Trinity. So Jesus reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. Holy Spirit is like Jesus. He came gentle. He came humble. He came as a servant. And the Holy Spirit approaches us in our life. And he's the same with us. He's gentle. He's humble. Think of this. The God of the universe. What other God comes as a servant? What other God comes and lays his life down? This is the God we serve. He's amazing. He's not like the human leaders of this world. 
He's not pompous. He's not prideful. He's not puffed up, right? The reason why God tells us not to be prideful, he's not prideful. He's not puffed up. He's gentle. He's humble. Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 through 29 says this of Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Are you weary and carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. This is the Passion Translation. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. Okay? The Holy Spirit, as you get to know him, many times he's very gentle. It's that, it's that small little nudge, right? Usually he speaks with like an impression. It's usually not a shout. It's usually that little impression that he gives you. Now, I could give other examples of, in my own life of times where I thought I knew what the Holy Spirit was like, and he, he is like fire. He is like wind. He is like oil, right? There's these other facets of his personality. But even in those facets, there's still a gentleness to him, to the Holy Spirit. But what I don't, what I don't want you guys to confuse is this. Meekness, he comes in meekness, is not, meekness does not equal weakness, Right? Just because the Holy Spirit came meek, Jesus came meek, does not equal weakness. Okay, he's, he, he's powerful. He speaks, um, he speaks gently often, but it's powerful. Okay, so we don't want to confuse those two. Um, I hope I have permission to tell this story. I couldn't find the person beforehand, but I'm going to tell a story. So if I need to ask uh, forgiveness later, I will. Okay, so... <laughs> How many know? Um, how many know Aunt Kim here at the church? Okay, this is Emily's aunt. She's known around the church simply as Aunt Kim, and I didn't see her before service, so um, she can forgive me later if I wasn't supposed to tell the story. But um, recently, like this week, um, she cleans a house for a gal, and she called the lady, didn't hear from her, and it had been a couple days, and she started to worry. She started to worry about this gal, and she had this gentle nudge in her heart. She's like, I need to go by and check on this woman. She had this nudge by the Holy Spirit. How many have ever had that nudge? I just need to call. I need to check on this person. I need to do this. I need to do that. So she ends up, she calls, no one answers. She ends up going over to this lady's house and goes in and finds this lady on the floor. She had fallen down and she'd been on the floor for three days. This poor woman, I mean, terrible this woman had been on the floor for three days. Listen, you can't make it much longer than three days without water, right? If she hadn't been sensitive to that little gentle nudge by the Holy Spirit, like this woman I'm talking about right now would be dead. You know, she called, of course, called an ambulance, and they took her to the hospital, and, and yay, she's alive, and she's going to be okay. But I say that to say this, that gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit, he's kind, he's gentle, but that doesn't mean it can't mean life or death. Many times, that gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit, like, don't turn here, don't cross those, range, uh, those train tracks, like, call that person, they're not doing good, you know? Recently, I had a dream about, about a friend, and I, I woke up and, you know, that, you know, about a friend and the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit, you need to call that person, you need to talk to them and make sure everything's okay, you know? Follow those gentle nudges of the Holy Spirit because they can mean life and death. And listen, they can mean heaven and hell even heaven and hell are realities and people need to hear about the truth and the gospel of Jesus so when you feel that nudge to share your faith with someone be obedient to that 
It can mean life and death. It can mean heaven and hell even. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.